join Startup Canada this spring as we tour across Canada to celebrate the winners of the 2018 Startup Canada Awards. Join us in Winnipeg, Vancouver, Miramichi, Sault Ste. Marie, and Montreal. Network with leading entrepreneurs and the drivers of Canada's startup community. Visit startupaward.ca for more information and to get your tickets now. BDC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive Podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business. An award-winning entrepreneur, one of Canada's most powerful women, and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. This is your host, Janice McDonald, for the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. You're listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, change makers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, president of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. We're thrilled to have Dan Kelly, President and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses, also known as CFIB, on the show today. With over 109,000 members, CFIB is the largest organization in Canada devoted exclusively to the interests of independent small business owners. CFIB provides business resources, expert mentors, service discounts, and advocacy tailored specifically to the needs of small businesses. As president and CEO, Dan is the organization's lead spokesperson and has served on dozens of provincial and federal committees and task forces. Welcome to the show, Dan. Happy to be here. So lots and lots and lots to discuss, but why don't we start with uh, the key message you hope our listeners will take away from our conversation today? Well, one is that uh, we at CFIB get that being an entrepreneur, being a business owner can be a lonely place. Uh, and everything we do at the Federation is designed to, to improve the odds of business owner success across Canada. And, and that's really our commitment to, uh, to business owners is to help them be more successful as they, as they grow, expand, hire staff or, or chart their own destiny. And CFIB has been around for how long? Tell us uh, about this organization and 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 what you have meant and mean to Canadian small businesses. 
The Federation has been around for 46 years. Uh, so back way back in 1971, a guy named John Bullock set up the organization. Uh, he, he knew right from the get-go that there was a voice needed for small and medium-sized firms because at the time, almost all of the public policy debate was between big business, big unions, and, and big governments. And small firms were often the meat in the sandwich. The startup community was, uh, was what, you know, there were certainly startups at the time, but they certainly uh, didn't have the reputation and support that, that they do today. We still have a long way to go, but we've come a long way since 1971. Uh, CFIB was founded on a tax protest. The government at the time was looking to, to increase the rate of taxation on small firms, if you can believe it, to over 50% of business income. Uh, and, and at that stage, thousands of business owners uh, united across Canada pushed back against the federal government and they started to make some changes. They really cleaned up their act. Over that period of time, business, which had been, I think, up, up, up until then, kind of a dirty word in Canada in many respects, started to gain um, a more positive reputation among the public. To date, of course, now we have uh, businesses being viewed positively by most Canadians. And in fact, just over the past summer, we had a tax protest uh, across the country that, that had a lot of reminders of those early days at CFIB where small businesses came together to push back in the face of adversity. 46 years later, and we're still fighting the same good fight, it sounds. <laughs> you know, there is a there is a bit of Groundhog Day to uh, to some of the discussions that happened in Ottawa. But I have to tell you, uh, you know, that small business tax rate nationally right now is 10 and a half percent, which is a far cry from the 50 percent tax rate that was contemplated back in the uh, early 70s. Absolutely. So uh, give us a sense of the organization, the work you do for Canada's small businesses. What um, what's uh, and then maybe it'd be really nice to hear about a day in the life of Dan. How how you know what's what's happening for you on a daily basis as you champion Canadian small businesses? So the the foundation of the organization has really been on the advocacy side. That's what uh, that's what got us started, and certainly motivates us up until this day. Uh, we lobby the federal, provincial, and municipal levels of government to try to ensure that small and medium sized firms have a, have a voice, have the ability to be heard in some of the discussions and debates. We've long known that uh, if you're not there present at the discussions, you're going to end up being the meat in the sandwich. And and we've <laughs> we've seen and learned from that movie many, many times over. Uh, so with 109,000 members, governments generally take the views and opinions of small and medium-sized firms more seriously than they would if groups like CFIB didn't exist. Uh, and that certainly has been our main reason for being over that period of time. But over the years, more and more business owners are looking for not just value in terms of the advocacy work, but direct value that helps them individually as a business owner. And that's the those are the functions that we've developed over time. So, for example, uh, we have developed a business counseling service uh, where we have about 20 people across the country that take, if you can believe it, about 28,000 calls and inquiries from business owners across the country on their specific problems and give them one-to-one advice. So that might be on HR, uh, that might be in terms of how to get a better deal at the bank, or it could be that a tax auditor has arrived at your door and you don't know what to do. 
so that's a second big suite of services that we offer our members. And then the third that we've developed is a series of savings and benefits programs that really do add value, help business owners save money, get better terms and conditions on some of the services that they value and need to run their business. Things like credit card processing, uh, some forms of insurance, shipping, uh, and a variety of other services where small firms can use their collective purchasing power to get a better deal. And, uh, can you just go back to that second benefit that you were talking about? So small business owners call on, on a variety of questions and then can you just kind of walk us through that? So if people are thinking about maybe they're not members yet and they're thinking about this added benefit, can you expand on it? Absolutely. Our, our business resources function uh, is staffed by people that are experts in uh, in all sorts of uh, walks of life. Uh, a huge chunk of this is related to human resources. Uh, small firms, uh, firms of five people or two people, right. they just don't have the resources to have a VP of HR. Uh, so we like to say that we can provide those back office functions, those HR functions on your behalf uh, by being able to send you a template so if you have an employee that works alone or perhaps the first time you have to hire or terminate an employee, we can send you some some templates that have been written and tested uh, that you're able to use and customize uh, together with any help you get from an accountant or a lawyer. Uh, we then follow up on calls. If you're if you have to call six different employees in the Department of Employment Standards in your province to try to get a straight answer, we can make those calls. And as you can imagine, because we take 28,000 inquiries from small business owners a year, we've probably heard your question before and we may be able to give you an answer without looking for it. If we can't, uh, then we'll do the research on your behalf. And that's uh, that's a big benefit to a lot of uh, businesses, particularly small businesses, uh, very small businesses across the country. So this is really practical, useful, like immediate benefits for your members to be able to have this kind of expertise at their fingertips. It is. And, you know, uh, so many business owners have said that they're they're deeply frustrated when they have to call government for an answer, that they have to uh, they have to phone off and they're cut off or put on hold. We just had several stories from the Canada Revenue Agency in the headlines about that that very thing. Uh, But even if it's not that, even if you're just trying to find out how do you pay your employee during a statutory holiday, trying to get the one right person that can answer the question quickly and easily is not always uh, possible. And the web information that governments provide is often as opaque as the legislation itself. And so you need somebody to help walk you through that. Uh, gosh, if we can save business owners 15 or a half, 15 minutes, a half an hour from being passed from bureaucrat to bureaucrat, that's time that they can spend building their business, marketing their product, hiring their next employee. And we think that that's much better value that they do that. And we focus on some of the things that uh, can take the, uh, the burden off their shoulders. And so this is a direct benefit that's included as part of your membership fee. It is. It's an unlimited service. uh, And we have many frequent flyers as members that end up calling us all the time. We're happy to take those calls uh, from business owners. uh, And and most often they get a direct personal contact on the phone uh, without going to a voicemail system. uh, And that that, of course, is a big relief to a business owner who often has to implement something five minutes later. Right. 
right. Right. Like it's, it's actually timely information is it's so not only the expertise, but that it's in a timely manner is what you're offering. You got it. I, I can't tell you the number of calls we've had with, from the CRA that's putting, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's gone to the bank and, and frozen their account. Uh, and, and they need some help and they don't need it tomorrow. They need it right now so that they can keep their business afloat. Uh, those are some of the stories that, uh, while we're not always able to help, we, we do our best. Uh, and, and there have been lots and lots of success stories over the 46 years we've been around. I think it's pretty exciting too, as you indicated, when you're getting 28, 29,000 calls annually, you get a good sense of where the, the, the most likely problems will be. And to be able to have that information um, fast and relevant is, is an amazing benefit. Well, you know, so much of what government does is uh, understandably is targeted at, at the individual end user. So for example, at employment standards, a lot of the information is, is geared towards the employee that may have a problem. And not a lot of it is geared towards the employer as to what they can do or what they should do in those kinds of scenarios. And, and, that's where CFIB can step in is, is, is helping do that. The other part of our job is, of course, advising governments then as to how they can do a better job with their web information or their own call centers in serving small and medium-sized firms. We, we do an awful lot of that as well. That's great because you're hearing the questions and you're understanding the frustrations and sharing them. Yeah, look, most bureaucrats, uh, most civil servants are trying to do their best. They're not actively out there trying to make the lives of business owners more difficult, but it's that they don't work in that scenario. They, they're they used to dealing with, say, large companies that have a whole HR infrastructure. And when it's the business owner on the other end of the phone uh, from a uh, from the machine shop or from the, uh, from the law firm office, they may not ask the right questions. They may not be able to target that information based on the size of the firm and the fact that the business owner is him or herself uh, the one that is likely to have to implement the, the policy in their business, not just pass it on to somebody else as a, as a piece of advice. Yeah, it, that's so important. Tell me this. Um, we're interested, obviously, in women business owners, and we want to know about CFIB and specific programs or partnerships or initiatives, uh, resources that you have available for specifically to support women business owners, if any. Sure. Absolutely. I, well, I'm sure ha- I'm happy to talk about this. We have uh, right now about 12 percent of our members that are owned solely by uh, by a woman, another 21 percent where there's a combined business ownership between uh, 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 husband and wife, man and woman. Uh, so about uh, about a third of our membership as a female at the helm. Uh, not too different than I think the numbers that uh, that you see nationally from Statistics Canada uh, for for female business ownership. But it certainly has been one of the more rapidly growing elements within our membership. And the reason why a lot of our services are so well targeted to female entrepreneurs is that uh, data shows that female uh, business, female-led business owners tend to be at this stage in the uh, in the economic cycle tend to be a bit smaller uh, by headcount than their male-led counterparts, and that I think a lot of a lot of female. Uh, businesses have been started up over the last number of just in the last number of years. And as a result of that, uh, they tend to be on average a little bit smaller uh, at this stage uh, than 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 businesses 
uh, run by men. That sets them up incredibly well for participation in CFIB because everything that we do is targeted at small, often micro-sized businesses and the self-employed. We have the vast majority of our members have fewer than 10 employees. 70% of our members have fewer than 10 employees across Canada, and uh, which is typically uh, one of the definitions of of small business ownership. Uh, So a lot of the other things that, you know, we we do know that that as female-led businesses, though, tend to have a better survival rate than male-led businesses, that also lends itself well to CFIB. Most of our members have been around uh, for a little bit longer uh, because uh, they have resources that they can rely upon to help in terms of setting them up for success. Uh, 73% of our members say that that we help them in increasing the, uh, the odds of their success as a business And can I just owner. jump in there for a second? Do they give you a sense of so the 73% years. that say uh, that you help? Do yeah. they tell you in the ways that they value that help most. Yeah. So. so the, it was, it was funny when we did ask that question, it was almost split a third, a third, a third between the major services that we offer, the advocacy work, the business support and helplines that we offer, and then the savings and benefits programs. But right now we have partnerships. Uh, the, the, one of the biggest ones that we have right now is negotiating lower rates for payments, for, for accepting credit cards or debit cards. We have a partnership with Chase Payment Tech and the average savings we just we added a new deal very recently with with mastercard the first association in the world that has a direct money savings uh, opportunity for for mastercard transactions the average savings for our members is three thousand dollars a year so you can imagine if you've got that three, real money the real money if you've got that three grand that you're able to pump back into your business to, to supplement your wages or heck even as a business owner use that yourself to benefit your family uh that, that can count for an awful lot of stress reduction for the average business, help them uh, succeed. Uh, and that's, again, one of the dozen savings and benefits programs that we have. But the other thing, and, and we certainly do know this, is that a disproportionate number of our calls, uh, our data shows us, comes from our female-led businesses. Um, you know, there's always, there's the stereotype, of course, that the uh, the uh, the, man, the husband in a relationship is not going to ask for help, but the, the wife will will stop and, and ask for some counsel or support along the way. Uh, and I think that that serves female-led businesses incredibly well and certainly is backed up by the data that we collect where we have more a disproportionately high number of our business support calls uh, from female-led business owners. And, and we like to believe that we're helping them uh, in, in answering their questions, uh, saving them time or saving them money uh, and stress in the process. That's really interesting that you're getting more of the calls from the women business owners and and like a lot more, or do you have a sense of, you know, it was it was it was uh, it was significant enough that we were able to detect that uh, that that uh, with about a third of our membership uh, uh, we have um, uh, as women we had about forty percent of the calls uh, from female-led business owners. So you can imagine that's you know on smaller numbers uh, that is a significant increase compared to male-led businesses. Uh, again, that seems to fit the stereotype, but we we like to believe that this is helping female-led businesses disproportionately in 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 their business life and and what a terrific thing that can be 
That's amazing. And I know you indicated that there's um, a lot of different areas that they could be asking questions, but were the women entrepreneurs asking in a specific area? The, I, don't, I don't have the detailed back, uh, uh, background on that front, but what I have sensed is that the HR suite of services that we offer, the support on that front, uh, has in particular been an area of interest, uh, well, of our members. It's the largest suite, but that area is, among our female-led business owners also, uh, the, the largest group of the questions that we get. So HR questions that can be anything from a simple question like paying for statutory holidays, how is that done up until up to uh, more complicated scenarios like letters of offer, letters of termination, uh, HR policies that they may wish to put in place, interpretation of, of uh, occupational health and safety standards, these kinds of practical on the on the on the, you know advice that that uh, that every business quite a business owner quite frankly needs to have uh, is is something that we're able to deliver and disproportionately large uh, to female business led uh, female led business owners. Well, that's, that's truly an amazing resource for women in business, but entrepreneurs in general to, to have this neutral and informed place that they can turn to as a result of membership. Um, can you share with us, I know that CFIB does research. Can you uh, give us a sense of what some of your research tells us about women in business, about that community? What have you looked at and, and what can you share with us about this, um, this important group. We've, uh, in fact, we do have a new research effort going on right now where we're going to be able to dissect this even better. But some of our past research, we one of the more interesting studies that we did that were focused on female entrepreneurs was women entrepreneurs in banking. Uh, and and what we found was that female-led businesses, and this I think is stand to, stands to reason, it's certainly been backed up by other uh, non-CFIB research, but our data showed that that our our uh, women-led businesses had a higher loan rejection rate uh, than male-led businesses, had higher uh, collateral requirements than male-led businesses, and also uh, uh, if they were successful in getting the loan, their interest rate spread was higher than male-led businesses. And we shared this information with with government and with the banking community. Uh, This has been a, a study that we did some time ago, and we we have sensed that banks have been making concerted efforts uh, to ensure that that their policies are more general gender neutral uh, than was the, than had been the case in the past. So a great deal of our work we do a, we do a, a banking report card where we actually rate the banks. Small business owners rate their bank in terms of their uh, their um, uh, service to small and medium sized firms and. And is that an annual thing, Dan, that that you do? Every three years. Uh, And, Okay. So, sorry, the women entrepreneurs in banking, when did that, that come that, out? That data, I think we collected, that one has been a little bit older. I think that that one was in the early 2000s. Uh, but, the, but the data okay. that we collect on the on the triannual banking report card, uh, we do have uh, breakdowns for that. The data wasn't particularly different, though, between what bi- female business owners said about their bank and male-led business owners said about the bank. They liked the same ones and they disliked uh, the same institutions. Uh, of the of the big banks, credit uh, credit unions, and Scotiabank generally were rated at the top of the list uh, by both men and women led businesses. The other the other advocacy piece though that that has a special connection I think to female led business owners uh, is uh, the work that we did just this past summer on some of the changes 
to tax policy that the federal government has proposed. Uh, the federal government has had proposed um, a major change, a major overhaul of all of the fundamentals of the small business tax regime. And in particular, there are two pieces that we worried were going to affect uh, disproportionately hard uh, female-led businesses. One of them was with respect to passive income rules. Uh, this, this allows a business owner to save some money in their business to, uh, for a rainy day, for their retirement, or for business expansion in the future. And many of our female-led businesses, uh, this certainly was the true of many female-led professional services businesses, told us that, that they've, banked, they've, they've depended on these dollars to keep their businesses going during a parental leave, during a maternity leave. And, yes. and the federal government was talking about essentially eliminating uh, that source of revenue uh, as an option for business owners uh, in those times. Uh, so we pushed back very aggressively. CFIB helped lead a coalition of 80 different business associations uh, that pushed back and convinced the federal government not to, they didn't unfortunately drop the provisions, but they have at this stage in any way announced that they're going to allow business owners to have up to $50,000 a year in income uh, from passive income, passive investments uh, in their business. Uh, and, and one of the motivations that the federal government said was to ensure that female-led business owners would have some money uh, to, to, to guide them and tide them through a maternity or parental leave. Um, we've we've always found that deeply unfair. We 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 were part of the lobby that that resulted in the Employment Insurance Act change that does allow women uh, women entrepreneurs or or any entrepreneur for that matter uh, to uh, to sign up for EI in order to receive maternity or parental leave benefits. Um, that hasn't been particularly popular, though, I have to tell you. Those, while that does exist under employment insurance, it's not a great deal. Mm-hmm. As, a, uh, you know, as a business owner, if you want to receive the parental leave benefits, you have to, you have to agree yep. to sign up for EI for the rest of your life. Uh, and that is, you know, if you look at the sum total of employment insurance premiums relative to one or two mat leaves, uh, the money's not on your side. So that still needs some work. But the other change that the feds had proposed this year was with respect uh, and that, that, that is slated to go ahead in, in, on January 1st, 2019, uh, sorry, 2018, is changes to the way that income is shared between family members in the business. Right. And as we know, 70% of the shares in businesses uh, across Canada are owned by men. Uh, because the, of the policy change, we believe that this will mean that more women that, that are a part owners of businesses will end up being cut out of the benefits of business ownership. And that is an active lobby mm-hmm. right now. So we're pushing back against these changes, calling on the federal government to delay them till 2019 so that we can at least figure this out and ensure that that in a business that has, uh, say, two spouses working side by side or, or owning the business as a whole, uh, that they shouldn't be unfairly punished uh, relative to, to businesses that may be just owned uh, by one person uh, themselves. And would you consider those to be currently your your top policy issues that CFIB's women members identify with most, or are there other things as well? Well, certainly the one that's captured the most attention. We have had a lot of business owners, uh, particularly uh, female doctors, uh, lawyers, 
uh, accountants, other professionals that have been uh, very, very pleased with the advocacy work that we've been doing on that front. I don't think the passive income rules would have changed had it not been for the aggressive lobbying efforts uh, where we've pushed back against uh, the policy change that the finance minister proposed uh, back in July. But the work's not done. There's still, uh, sadly, um, you know, the, the government is not not been particularly friendly to small businesses uh, and uh, we've got a lot of work ahead of us to uh, to get them back to the table. And so I guess one of the ways to uh, to have more impact is to have more of our listeners become members. What does membership look like and uh, is it different for micro versus small? Can you kind of talk about that so people understand um, and, and even highlight again, you talked some of our benefits of being of being a member, but give us an overall sense of that. So, yeah, so a CFIB membership is is dependent upon the number of employees that you have. So a, a, a self-employed person, a business of one uh, could pay as low as 290 bucks. And then it's essentially $30 per employee on top of that. Uh, so a business with, uh, say, 10 employees would pay uh, about $600 altogether uh, for a CFIB membership. Uh, we do have some associate programs where some franchise groups or other associations that join up on mass have, have access to, uh, to special program rates. Uh, but that's the, the general rule of thumb. Somewhere uh, but, uh, uh, upwards of about $300 for the smallest businesses uh, to join CFIB. And with that, you have access not only to the advocacy work, this, the, the research work that we do on a regular basis, Basis, but the uh, the unlimited uh, business support function where we answer your questions and then a dozen savings and benefits programs, which uh, if you're even using one or two of them, more than offset the cost of the uh, of the CFIB membership fee. As you mentioned, the MasterCard savings alone would <laughs> would certainly cover that off. It, it sure does. And and gosh, our, our program with Zoom Shipper has been fantastic where we offer shipping discounts, especially for businesses increasingly online. Uh, another great program, the one that I'm getting a ton of positive feedback on is a program that we have in in concert with uh, with PayWorks, and that help that helps handle the payroll function for business owners. It's a it's an online uh, service delivery a company out of Winnipeg, my hometown, uh, and and they do just awesome work, even for companies with two or three employees, uh, business owners end up spending tons of time on records of employment, on T4s, uh, and, and PayWorks handles all of that, uh, sometimes for, for under 10 bucks on a pay run. And, uh, and that, can add, that can handle a lot of stress, take a lot of work off the business owner's plate. It's amazing. So with, with membership comes advocacy. And as you indicated, so many so many amazing benefits. So in terms of steps for our listeners, if they want to become a member, what is it, uh, Dan, that that they actually, what's next steps? Yeah, so we have two ways of selling membership. Uh, the the first uh, and the greatest way is uh, through an in-person meeting with one of our district managers. Uh, CFIB is a fairly large association. We have 400 staff. 200 of them, though, are spread across the country and visit business owners every day to go over the benefits of CFIB membership and give them a specific price for their firm. Uh, and then, of course, we have online membership, online sign-up. Uh, both those streams can be accessed from CFIB's website, cfib.ca. Uh, 
uh, and you can either request an appointment uh, with one of our reps and they'll come out to see you either in your place of business or at a local coffee shop if you'd prefer. And then, of course, you can directly sign up and pay for your membership online uh, and, uh, and, and get instant access to all of the savings and benefits programs and services that we offer. And I was on your website. It's fantastic. You've got tips for commercial for leasing a commercial property. You have the business barometer. You had tips for storm weather. I'm sure you do it for other weather scenarios as well. It's a it's a very robust offering. That's for sure. Well, thank you. And in fact, uh, we're just about to click uh, a launch on a brand new web website and web portal. So it's even going to be better in the in the next few weeks. But we're serious about ensuring that we have a good online offering uh, to supplement the in-person savings and services that we provide. But our, our real strength has been that that personal touch that we have to, to get a live person on the telephone when you have a when you have a question and you need some context to be provided or to have an in-person meeting. If you can believe it, 93% of our members uh, spread all across Canada have had an in-person annual visit with one of our staff. Uh, and, and while that's an expensive way to do business, it's been incredibly powerful. Uh, and our members generally say that that's one of the things they appreciate most about belonging to CFIB. Well, and it sounds like your partnerships are um, continually expanding. So to be able to have somebody come in and walk you through it so you understand your benefits would be beneficial. <laughs> it sure would. Yeah. And um, is there anything else, Dan, that you'd like to share in particular with uh, our women in business community that um, they need to know about CFIB? Well, the only thing I'd probably add is that, you know, over the past 46 years, we've worked really hard to understand what what makes business owners tick. And the other big role that we try to play is ensuring that that Canadians in general can better understand uh, the the life of an entrepreneur. I got to tell you that there are even today, even in in, in 2017 and days away from 2018, there are thousands of Canadians, and it seems sadly many politicians who believe that. All you have to do is be a business owner, hang up a shingle on your door, and automatically you're one of Canada's 1%. You're a rich person. And I got to tell you, over the the years that I've been doing this, 24 almost, um, uh, women and men that that choose to, to, to start their own companies by no means have a license to print money. This is incredibly hard work. And, and the piece that keeps me motivated and excited about getting up and doing my job every day is the fact that I know that in a big or in a small way, every day, we're making a difference in the lives of Canada's entrepreneurs. Um, if you know, we need to educate Canadians to know that business owners have often remortgaged their home to start their business, put their payroll on a credit on their credit card in a bad month in order to keep their employees afloat. And for everybody that thinks that it's easy out there to start your own business, that, of course, minimum wages should go up and taxes on small business should be higher. Uh, there are business owners that that every day remind me of why we need to be careful, why we need to support uh, entrepreneurships in, in general and, and support the, the men and women that uh, that take all the risks uh, and risking everything they have to uh, to build the country. And it's a really valuable uh, and rewarding but not easy way of life, entrepreneurship. And and that's why what makes me so proud. 
Well, we thank you for working so hard for entrepreneurs across Canada. We've been speaking with Dan Kelly, Kelly, pardon me, President and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses, also known as CFIB. And he has been uh, doing this for 24 years. He's representing over 109,000 members, and it's the largest organization in Canada devoted to the interests of independent small business owners. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been wonderful to speak to you today. Happy to do it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. And to learn about the latest startup community news and events like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode. This is Ria Lupton from She Works Toronto. I'm their director, and you're listening to the Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald. And so She Works, let's get to the core of it. Like, how is it closing the funding gap for women entrepreneurs? Um, so they're closing the funding back, a gap by really allowing these entrepreneurs to talk to each other and to share their networks. They actually have a Slack, which you can join. And the application for the Slack network is also on the SheWorks website. And so you get connected to top investors and top entrepreneurs and you just get to talk to them as, as a peer, right? So part of the reason of organizing this breakfast is, is the same reasoning to just get these people together in a room so these conversations can organically happen. And then on top of that, we're actually testing a pilot out in New York, which is sort of like a boot camp for entrepreneurs. And the woman who, uh, Lisa, who's one of the co-founder of um, she works. She actually had her own startup, so she she knows like the pain points of having her own startup and trying to fundraise for it. And she's really trying to drive a lot of the programming for She Works from that viewpoint. Mm-hmm.